Hey y'all, this is Vera Payam, and I am back with another episode of the Vera Payam Show. This one is called Broken Trust. So my personal ethics hinges around one particular concept, and that is the reduction of human suffering. Now, that's a tall order. How is anyone ever supposed to accomplish such a thing, right? To reduce all the suffering in the world? Well, the trick to accomplishing lofty goals is to break them down into smaller, more manageable pieces, right? Clearly, I can't, I can't eliminate all the suffering in the world, but luckily for me, that's not the goal. <laughs> um, some suffering is unavoidable and absolutely necessary for growth. That's life. So what I focus on are the parts that are unnecessary and within our control to change. One of the major sources of misery and unnecessary suffering is the exploitation of others. When we lie, cheat, steal, and manipulate and otherwise treat people as a means to an end, we hurt them. Exploitation hurts people. You know, we can rationalize, which of course is just a fancy word for lying to ourselves. We can rationalize, we can make up excuses, we can lie about the effects of our actions on others. But the fact is, exploiting people hurts them. Even if we replace what we stole, or you know, we wait for their wounds to heal, we have broken their trust. And not everything that has been broken can be fixed. I think, the piece, I think this is also the piece that's kind of missing from conversations around abuse and sexual assault. You know, regardless of whether an abuser goes to jail or pays for their crime or makes their amends with God or atones to their sins, that person that they've harmed will never be the same. That person's trust and security in the world has been shattered. They now question the integrity of everything and everyone in their world. They don't love the same. They don't trust people the same way that they used to. Even those that are closest to them are viewed with suspicion. They are a different person. And that change can never be undone. Now, it's easy to think that this conversation doesn't apply to us. Like, that's horrible. You know, I would never murder or rape someone. You know, how could anyone do such a thing? That's disgusting. And, but it is. This conversation is about us, myself included. Because even the small things that we do have an impact, a big impact, on the people around us. You know, the first place that my mind goes is uh, to my former housemate. You know, we've been friends for, you know, like seven, eight years, and we've lived together for the past two and a half years. And he's a sweet, gentle, conflict-avoidant person, you know, whom I have nothing but love and respect for. And I think, you know, that's what made it even harder to acknowledge, you know, the few things that he's done that really have hurt me. Um, the whole time we've been living together, he's been stealing my food. <laughs> and this isn't the first time that we've lived together. And it isn't the first time that he's stolen my food. Um, we used to live together back when I was in college. Uh, my partner at the time would get furious. He's eating our food. I bought that food. He's eating it and it's gone. Like, we can't afford to buy more. We can't afford that. Like, what the fuck? Like, why would he do this? 
And at that time, you know, we were all like super poor, you know, um, and I, I didn't believe my partner, like, uh, he, you know, he was our friend, like he wouldn't steal from us. Like I, I just, I brushed it off, you know, I thought he was crazy. Like finally, you know, my partner confronted him and he confessed and he fessed up and he said, yeah, like, I, you know, he said, yeah, he'd been eating our food, you know, um, and he apologized and he said he wouldn't do it again, but you know, it didn't, it really didn't stop until he moved out until he moved, you know, back to Washington with his parents. And so years passed, you know, we stayed friends and I'd forgotten about it uh, until we started living together again. And, and at first I ignored it, you know, uh, I, you know, I thought, well, I worked two jobs and I made more money than he did, you know, I, and, and I didn't want to like eat good food in front of him if he was hungry, you know, like that's not cool, you know, um, and I could afford to spend more so that we could both eat well, you know, it wasn't a big deal to me. Like, he did more housework than I did. I had the bigger room in the house, you know? Like, all the furniture and the dishes we were cooking on, that was his, you know? And all these things were excuses that I told myself to avoid acknowledging what I was really feeling. Um, and so finally, you know, I started looking at my budget, and I'm doing my taxes, and I'm like, where's all my money going? And... And as I'm looking through my, you know, my bank receipts, I'm real, I realized that in one month, I had spent $1,000 on groceries. And I was stunned. Like, I just, I didn't know what to do. And so, uh, you know, point blank, I asked him, I said, you know, how much do you spend on groceries each month? And he seemed confused. He was like, oh, I don't really know. And I was like, because I know how much I spend. And I spent thousand dollars this month on food alone and I said you know I don't mind buying you food but just tell me how much you need so that I can factor it into my budget right and he almost seemed offended that I would suggest such a thing and he got really defensive and he was like no no, no you don't have to spend money on me I mean we don't have to share food you know share food uh, he was like you know if you don't want to do it then just don't you know like don't don't do anything for me and you know I could tell he was getting really defensive so I just cut him off and I was like look I don't have a choice, okay? If I bring it in the house, you fucking eat it. Like, and I have no way of knowing what you will and won't eat. So I have to buy double of fucking everything. And, you know, he kept being defensive and, you know, kept saying, look, I didn't have to feed him, etc. He wasn't listening. I knew he wasn't listening. So I, I didn't bother. I just, I let it go. I was like, fuck it. You know, it's not a big deal. And so it continued. Um... You know, I would go to the fridge and I would find empty mustard jars, you know, empty sour cream containers, ravaged boats of hummus, cans of tuna, you know, that were gone, my liquid bath soap, sticks of butter, things that I'd never touched would all disappear. I, I even, I had um, a really extensive collection of, uh, of tea from the coffee shop that we used to work at, um, specialty teas that they don't produce anymore, that were super expensive canisters that I'd had one cup from and he drank the entire fucking canister every canister that was half open he fucking drank them all and I can always tell when he ate my food or drank my tea because he would leave like a tiny half serving at the bottom that like wasn't even enough to brew a fucking proper pot of tea and it was so bad that like I couldn't even maintain a proper food budget the whole time that we lived together and you know and it and it's not even about the food, you know, because any of those things, like, I would have given him freely had he asked me. But that was the problem. He didn't ask me. 
And by not asking me for what he needed, he denied me the ability to make that decision for myself. He stole that from me. Earlier, and early, so earlier this, so then eventually, you know, like, um, you know, he had to move for school. And so we took a road trip to Portland um, to go help him look for apartments, right? And on the way, on the way back home, we'd stop by this place called Voodoo Donuts, right? They're supposed to have like super amazing donuts and they're kind of pricey. So I told him, I said, hey, you know what? You get the coffee and I'll, I'll get us the dozen of donuts, right? And so he was cool with that. And so we ate a few there, um, but we saved the rest for when we got home. And so the next morning uh, I woke up and I went to have a cup of coffee and a donut and the entire box was gone. Like there was like crumbs, little pieces of donuts, but it was fucking gone. And I was just so fucking angry. I was just, I was so angry. And I was just so heartbroken. And I just, I couldn't hide it anymore. I couldn't. And so I called him out of his room to stand with me and to look at this empty box of donuts. And I think that was the first time that he started to kind of hear me. But as far as I was concerned, the damage had already been done. My trust in him was broken. He took from me far more than he would ever be able to return. He didn't even know how much he'd taken from me. Like he couldn't even quantify it. Even if he tried, he had no way of knowing how much he'd taken from me. And, you know, I just, and I hated going in the kitchen, you know, because it was a constant reminder that my friend was stealing from me. So before he moved out, um, I asked him to do one thing for me. I asked him to leave me one of his cats. Um, you know, cause I didn't know anybody here in this town and I was going to be alone. And so I asked him to leave me a cat so I'd have a companion. Um, and he really didn't want to do it cause he really loves his cat. You know, he, he really loves both of his cats. You know, he really loves his cat. And he was also still paying off the cat's vet, vet bill. That was like a thousand dollars. Um, so we went back and forth for a little while, but eventually he conceded. Um, he agreed to do some interior design work for me, help me design my studio. And, um, and he gave me the cat for 400 bucks. Um, and so I said, that's totally cool, you know, um, you know, and for me, you know, it, it wasn't about the cat, you know, it wasn't about the work or the money, you know, it was about not harboring resentment towards someone that I cared about, you know, and, and I think on top of that, I think he knew that too, you know, and, uh, you know, so he moved out. Uh, he moved out last month. It's been a couple weeks, you know, but even now, even now that he's gone, you know, like I, I still see, I still see remnants of the things that he took from me, you know, like when I go to, you know, make a glass of, you know, Ovaltine or, you know, make a fucking protein shake and I only have crumbs where I knew I had a fucking full container. Um, you know, every time I make a cup of tea, you know, and I see only half of the herbs that I worked so hard to collect, you know, um, but, but when I'm able to, you know, to push past, you know, those, those feelings and waves of like anger and resentment, um, I'm also able to, to see a bigger picture, you know, um, you know, I see the pretty orange cat that cuddles up with me every night, you know, um, 
you know, every night when I go to sleep. Um, I also see, you know, the beautiful space that he helped me design here. Um, I notice the patience and kindness that has rubbed off on me in the last two and a half years of living with him. And, you know, and of course, you know, I also see the experience of moving and moving to and living in a, a brand new state, an experience that I could never have had if it wasn't for my friend who invited me to come up here and live with him. And so, you know, the point of all this is that we don't need to lie or cheat or steal or exploit other people to get our needs met. We choose to do that. We tell ourselves, it's inconsequential. They won't notice. They have more than enough. You know, they'll, they'll get over it. They'll forget about it. You know, it's just the way things are. It's nature. We don't have a choice. But we're wrong. We do have a choice. We always have a choice. Um... So, so, you know, since my housemate's been gone, I got to make some new friends, right? I got, I got new friends. So I've been chatting with some of my neighbors, you know, and one of my neighbors, she invited me over to dinner. Uh, she invited me to dinner uh, last week. And, um, and I knew her and her boyfriend were going through, like, you know, some, some tough, like, family and financial trouble, you know, but I didn't really know what their situation was. Um, and so, you know, she invites me over, and as she's cooking, you know, she starts telling me about, you know, about the difficulties in their past, you know, um, drugs, alcohol, you know, being homeless, living on the street, trying to avoid abusive family members, you know, um, and how they finally got clean, you know, and they were able to find stable employment and they finally made it. And this was their first apartment together, you know, um, and they were so happy that they were just off the street, you know, paying off their debt, still dealing with, you know, still paying off debt, still dealing with legal issues from toxic family members, you know, but things were looking up, you know, they both had decent paying jobs, um, but they were still barely able to make rent because of all this debt, you know, left over from their family and, you know, left over from other family and stuff. Um, and so as she's telling me this, you know, she, she's looking at the stove while she's cooking and, and she's like, man, she goes, she goes, you don't even know. She's like, I'm so hungry. She's like, we didn't have any food. We couldn't, we could barely, we couldn't put any food in the cabinet. She's like, I was so hungry. She's like, I was at work you know, and, and I'm closing out the safe, and I, as I'm counting out that money, I was seriously thinking about, you know, just, you know, keep pocketing one of those $100 bills, you know, just, just so that I could get some food, just so that I could put food on the table, you know, and she's like, and I, she's like, I did, I thought about that, you know, and she's like, but I couldn't do it, you know, she's like, nah, she's like, you know what, she's like, that was the old me, she's like, you know, that, that was me back when I was using, she's like, no. She's like, I'm living a clean life now, you know? She's like, I wanna live a clean life. And I knew that I just, I couldn't go back to doing those things. I couldn't go back to the old me, you know? And she's like, so, fuck it. I just, I counted out the safe, you know? I left it there and I went home hungry and I fucking cried in my car, you know? And she's almost, she was almost crying at this point, you know? Cooking, cooking over the stove, she's almost crying at this point. And she was like, but you know, she's like, Man, she's like, that was the best decision I ever made. She's like, I'm so thankful that I didn't take that money. She's like, because you know what happened when I got home? She's like, yeah, she's like, uh, you know, she's like, our neighbor M, you know, he, he called me over and he was like, hey, you know, uh, come here. Like, I, you know, I, I want to give you something. And, you know, and so he brought her in and uh, he says, hey, you know, he says, um, you know, when me and my wife 
first got married, um, you know, we, we were really struggling and, you know, we went through a really, really hard time. And, you know, one of my neighbors did this for me and, and I want to give this to you. I want to pass it on to you. And he goes, let me take you grocery shopping. Whatever you need, whatever you need, you get it. I'll get it for you. He's like, let me take you grocery shopping. He's like, you know, a neighbor did that for us and it fucking changed our world. It changed our world. Let me do this for you. She was just like, she was like, oh my God. She goes, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude. She's like, I just, I, I started bawling. I just started sobbing. And this happened, just it happened to her just a few days ago. And I'm looking around at the kitchen and all the food in there. Like, you know, that was, that was given to her. And here she is making me dinner. After having told me that story, here she is cooking me dinner. That's the power of choice. We always, always have a choice. And the choices that we make shape the people that we become. We don't need to exploit other people to get our needs met or to get ahead. We don't. Whatever it is that we think we need to steal, somebody out there is willing to give that to us freely, willingly. Exploitation is the foundation of unnecessary suffering. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it's like being bit by a vampire, you know? Like once we've been bit, this, this pressure starts to build up. We're angry, we're hurt, you know? Like how could something like this happen? You know, how, how could there be, be people or creatures like that in the world? You know, how dare they do such a thing, right? And suddenly this hunger starts to build up inside of us. The way we look at others changes. We start to see others, not as people, but as a means to satisfy our needs, to satiate our own hunger. We start to see people as a means to an end instead of a person. We become predators ourselves. The difference is we aren't vampires. Vampires aren't real. And we don't need to prey on others to survive. Yeah, you know, it is a harsh fact of reality. It's a harsh fact of life that organisms must consume other organisms to survive. This is true. However, what, makes, what, uh, what sets us apart as human beings is that we have consciousness. We have the ability to self-reflect and to make conscious decisions about the things that we do, the things we consume, and how we consume them. And even though it's tough, we have the ability to make choices and take action against impulses to harm other people and other things. You know, we don't always get to choose our needs, but we do choose how we go about getting them met. Vampires may not be real, but you know what? Cannibals are. Thank you for listening. I'm Vera Payam, and this is the Vera Payam Show. And if no one has told you today, please allow me to be the first. I don't know you, but I love you.